Little babies are precious, precious. We love them. And when there's a new baby around, we want to see the baby, hold the baby, kiss the baby, and rejoice with the parents. We take pictures and videos uh, with babies, and we showcase babies on social media. We make scrapbooks of babies and, and uh, buy babies cute little clothes. When Jeremiah was born, uh, friends of ours gave us a little onesie with John Calvin's picture on it and the words, Calvin is my homeboy. We absolutely loved it, loved it. We buy them car seats, strollers, rattles, toys, blankets, uh, or blankies, uh, binkies, uh, nightlights, and we buy them all kinds of things because we love them and because we want to care for them well. They're helpless and dependent little people. Uh, and, and they don't vacuum, and they, they don't take out the trash, and they don't mow the lawn. In fact, you know what? They create work for us. Let's be honest about that. And, and yet we love them, and we care for them. And we care for them very carefully. Something about their helplessness and dependence endears them to us. We love our little children, care for them, bless them. But Jesus loves our little children more than we do and cares for them and blesses them in ways we can't. Our love and care are limited, so we need the comfort of knowing that our God holds our little children in his hands and will bless them in ways we can't. We need the comfort of knowing that God's sovereign mercy, grace, and love are for our little ones as much as they are for us. Our text this morning reveals beautiful and comforting things about Jesus. And I want you to find comfort in these things. I want you to find comfort in believing that Jesus loves the little children. But I also want you to find comfort in this, that little covenant children reveal to you something about the kingdom of God and about your relationship with God. You are helpless, dependent, and incapable little ones. Your father regards you, has an interest in you, is holding you in his hands, protecting and providing for you. Little covenant children belong to the church and play an important role in church life. Might it be that little covenant children in the church show us most vividly what the sovereign grace and care of God is like, what entrance into uh, entrance and membership in the kingdom is like, what we are like under the king's care and provision, helpless, dependent, needy, receiving, and deeply loved and cared for. Verses 13 through 15 communicate simple but significant truths. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this little but but significant event in their Gospels because it's significant, because it says something about the, the Gospel. To, to help you better understand Christ and understand the church. And I think some background will help us uh, frame these comforting verses. So some important biblical context. Throughout Matthew, we see Christ the King teaching, healing, saving, and gathering a people to himself to bless them. 
We've been watching him do it. This is God's heart. God comes to lost and helpless people, delivers them, adopts them in order to care for them, in order to bless them. God extends his covenantal love, not to the independent and indestructible, but to the insignificant and incapable. Why? For the praise of his glorious grace. Abraham was a pagan. God came to him, delivered him, and blessed him. Galatians 3.8 says God preached the gospel to Abraham. Apart from anything Abraham had done, God established a gracious covenant with him. But not just with him, with his children. God gave Abraham this gospel promise in Genesis 17, verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That gospel was exciting, assuring, and comforting for Abraham God made him promises, but not only him. God made promises to his children as well. And God gave Abraham a gracious and comforting sign and seal of that gospel promise and the righteousness that Abraham had by faith. He gave Abraham circumcision. But he didn't just give this comforting sign and seal of the gospel and the imputed righteousness of Christ to Abraham. No, God gave it to Abraham's children and those who believe like Abraham. Joseph was a type of Christ. Betrayed by his brothers, considered dead, sold into slavery, suffered, was unjustly convicted, rose to power and became a great savior and provider. And in Genesis 50, verse 21, Joseph tells his brothers, so do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones, which brought them tremendous comfort. And then there's God's covenantal love in his songs to his people. We we sing the Psalms here um, purposefully to sing scripture. And Psalm 103 verse 17 says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Psalm 147 verse 13 says of Jerusalem, for he strengthens the bars of your gates, he blesses your children within you. And and listen to the covenantal theme in Isaiah 59 verse 21. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. God's gracious covenantal refrain in Scripture is, I will be your God and you will be my people. And this grace has been promised to covenant children as well as to their parents. When God's son came, he fulfilled the old covenant gospel types and shadows and transitioned God's covenant community into a new covenant administration of the same covenant of grace. The the administration of it looked differently. 
It looked different, but, but it was the same gospel. The old gave way to the new as Jesus continued to teach, heal, save, and gather a people to himself. Why? In order to bless them. Matthew 18, then, is about the church. Beginning with Israel, Jesus was gathering people into his new covenant church. He was king and taught this new covenant community what kingdom living looks like under his reign and rule as the Christ. Forgiveness in the church progressed to marriage and the king's prohibition of divorce in the church, which naturally progressed to covenant children in the church. Paul used a very similar progression in Ephesians 5. And in Colossians 3, the backdrop of Matthew 19 is the covenant of grace. The covenant of grace established by God with his people and their children. Matthew's gospel has a strong Old Testament flavor. So when we read Matthew's gospel, the covenant theme is noticeable. It's in the first verse, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew presents The Christ teaching, healing, saving, and gathering a people to himself. Why? To bless them. And it should come as no surprise to see Jesus blessing little covenant children. So as I I continue, I have hopes for you. Uh, I hope that the beauty of God's covenant of grace becomes more compelling and more comforting for you. And that you become more convinced that Jesus loves your little covenant children in a unique way. Okay, let me, let me try to unpack verses 13 through 15. First, Christian parents should believe that Jesus loves their little children. The context of verses 13 through 15 is covenant families. So not, not all the children of the world here, rather covenant children. Verse 13, that's the context, covenant children. Verse 13, then children were brought to him. Now, this this likely happened soon after verses 1 through 12. Jesus was in, excuse me, in a predominantly Jewish area. And in Matthew 15, 24, Jesus said this, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's interesting. Paul said in Romans 15, 8, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Now, he blessed Gentiles along the way, absolutely, but his ministry was overwhelmingly Jewish, and that's the setting of verses 13 through 15. Who were the children? They were children of the old covenant, administration of the covenant of grace, so they were children of believers. They they were from families who worshiped Yahweh, trusted in Yahweh's covenant promises and practice the old covenant types and ordinances, including circumcision. We can take Romans 9 and actually infer about these children that to them belonged the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, the patriarchs, and in fact, Christ came from the very same covenant community. How old were the children? Well, the Greek word for children used in verses 13 through 14 refers to age, not to parentage, and generally refers to a young child and sometimes infants. Luke 18, 15, which I read, says of this same event, now they were bringing even infants to him. 
So they were very young and also noticed that the children were brought to Jesus, similar to the paralytic that was laying on the bed, couldn't get there himself, same word, being brought to Jesus. These wee ones were brought to Jesus. The children were not running up to Jesus on their own. Some of them, if not all of them, were being carried to Jesus in order to receive his grace. Who was bringing them? Presumably their parents, maybe siblings or nurses, presumably parents. These were God's covenant people bringing their wee ones to Christ for grace. Those parents believed Jesus loved their little covenant children and had an interest in blessing them. Brothers and sisters, we must be confident that Jesus loves our little covenant children in a unique way. Knowing the loving and accepting heart and disposition of Jesus toward even the littlest children of his kingdom is comforting, greatly comforting for us. Jesus not only loves us, he loves our little children. And knowing that helps us teach our little children that Christ's favor is for them. We must parent them to understand that Jesus loves and blesses them and that they too are disciples of Jesus. The loving and gracious heart of Jesus should compel us to bring our covenant children to Jesus for grace. Next, Christian parents should bring their little children to Jesus expecting his blessing and intercession. Verse 13 again. Then children were brought to him that he may lay his hands, might lay his hands on them and pray. Why were parents bringing their little covenant children to Jesus? Because they wanted Jesus to lay his hands on them, to physically touch them and to grant them grace. Was Jesus merely asking God for grace on their behalf or Was Jesus actually bestowing grace? Well, consider Mark 10, verse 16, which says, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. It seems to me that Jesus was actually bestowing blessing upon the covenant children. Back in Genesis 48, Joseph drew Ephraim and Manasseh near to him. He put his right hand on Ephraim's head and his left hand on Manasseh's head. And he blessed them, laying laying on of hands, that physical touching and granting blessing. That was a big, big deal. And the parents in verses 13 through 15 knew that. After all, presumably, they had seen Christ miraculously display and bestow divine grace to others. With God's covenant promises in view then, they had every reason to expect Christ would extend divine grace to their covenant children. Why? Because of who he is. Because of his heart. Because of his disposition toward the covenant children. The parents believed better than the disciples. Did the people fully understand Jesus and what was happening? I don't think so. But they exercised a certain faith in bringing their children to Jesus. Their bringing implies their confidence in Christ's giving. The disciples certainly didn't boost their confidence. Not helpful. 
But when Jesus corrected the disciples by welcoming the children to himself, he showed that he was very pleased with the parents' desire, very pleased that they wanted to bring their children to him, and he was very pleased in their expectation of grace. Saints, Jesus wants us to know his heart and to trust his covenant promises. Jesus wants us to know his heart and to trust his covenant promises. Knowing him well, I mean, knowing Jesus really well leads to trusting Jesus really deeply. We have to know his heart. We have to know what he is like and who he is. Do we trust the covenant promises of God because we know God's heart for our little ones? The heart of Jesus and his readiness to extend divine grace even to the most helpless and weakest gives us confidence and comfort as we bring our children to Jesus and as we raise them in the church and as we ourselves come to Jesus for grace. Isn't it Jesus who has carried us to the Father? As God's covenant people, we need to be asking the question, Through what means does Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king, grant us and our children his divine grace? What means? Jesus is not here physically anymore. And so he's not laying hands on us or on our children So what means does he use today to bless our children and us, to communicate his gospel promises to us, to remind us of our covenant status within his covenant people or within his kingdom? Let's keep going. Next. The church should view little children as Jesus does. This was not the best moment for the disciples. Not a good showing at all. They airballed the layup. We just had the NBA finals. You're right under the basket. Airball. Verse 13 and 14. Then Jesus, uh, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. And in the Greek, it's rebuked them, meaning not the children, but those who were bringing the children. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus chose the disciples and with them established the church under the new covenant administration of grace. The the disciples were his ordained leaders of the church, and they were keeping children away from Jesus and his blessing. No, 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 no. No, please, please, please don't do that. No, no, no. Jesus is busy right now. No, Jesus can't be bothered by kids. He has better things to do than to be bothered by children. No, no, just, 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 just please listen to us and just keep the kids away from Jesus, please. Were they his secret service agents? to protect him from kids? I mean, what's going on here? Not a good moment. Not a great performance for the disciples. They made Jesus mad. Mark 10, 14 says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Jesus was strongly displeased with how his disciples thought about covenant children and handled the entire situation. 
Hadn't they been listening back in chapter 18 when Jesus took a covenant child and put them in his midst to illustrate the kingdom of heaven? Weren't they listening? Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Why? Now carefully consider this. Jesus knew the good intentions of the parents. He wanted them to bring their little ones and wanted to extend his grace to their little ones. But why? Two things. First, his heart is loving and gracious toward little covenant children and those who come to him like little covenant children. His heart. His heart. The second thing is what Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us explicitly. It's right there in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Mark and Luke say, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are different ways to refer to Christ's one kingdom. To his supremacy, rule, and reign over his covenant people. One kingdom, folks. Clear in scripture, and this is one example of of how clear it is. Why did Jesus want to hold and lay his hands on and bestow grace to these little covenant children? Why? Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In other words, let them come because the kingdom is theirs. Let them be brought to me so I can welcome them into my loving royal arms. Lay my hands, my royal hands on them and bestow my royal grace upon them. The king declared that the wee ones belong to him. And he was actively loving them and he was actively caring for them. This tells us so much about the love of our king. This tells us so much about the nature of the kingdom. Now, some Christians will argue that Jesus didn't actually mean that the kingdom belongs to children, but that the kingdom belongs only to those like children. One very prominent New Testament scholar who I greatly respect and benefit from wrote this, Jesus does not want the little children prevented from coming to him, not because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, but because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those like them. Okay, is that right? Is that right? Is that how we should read this? Wouldn't Jesus' illustration fall flat if the kingdom of heaven didn't belong to the children themselves? It would be very strange for Jesus to make this point, receive the kingdom of heaven like these precious little children that I'm holding and blessing and interceding for, but, but, but please understand the kingdom does not belong to them because they couldn't possibly receive it. That's, that's very strange. That would be very strange. Receive the kingdom like these little ones who haven't received the kingdom. It's very strange. It, it, would, it would seem to make the contrary point. It would seem to make a very discomforting point. If the kingdom does not actually belong to covenant children, why was Jesus blessing and interceding for them and using them as an illustration of how to receive the kingdom of heaven? Little covenant children, they tell us something profound about the gospel, about the king, about the king's kingdom, 
about our salvation. The fact that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the covenant children tells us a lot about how we receive the kingdom of heaven like children. This is central to the gospel and to our comfort in Christ. Like little infants, we are helpless, needy, incapable. We don't merit anything. And if the kingdom is to be ours, we ought to see ourselves as helpless, needy, incapable, and dependent. And the good news of the gospel is that God loves to give his grace and blessing to helpless, needy, incapable, and dependent people. That comforting point falls flat. It just, it, it, it's dead. If at the apex of the point, Christ says, but the kingdom does not belong to these little ones. It just sucks the energy right out of the point. It would be a very discomforting point. Brothers and sisters, we have received God's favor because Christ himself redeemed us and carried us to God and reconciled us to be welcomed, accepted, held, loved, and forever blessed by the Father. The Father. Make the connection. Even little infants were brought to, carried to, presented to Christ to receive his favor. The very fact that the wee ones received a blessing from Christ infers that kingdom blessings are theirs. Dr. William Hendrickson made this useful point, quote, The reason Jesus gives for ordering the disciples to stop hindering the little ones from coming to him is, for to such, that is, To them and to all those who in humble trustfulness are like them belongs the kingdom of heaven. In the present case, the verse means that in principle, all blessings of salvation belong even now to these little ones, a fact which was to be realized progressively here on earth and perfectly in the hereafter, end quote. And this interpretation is not forced on the text It naturally comes from the text because the backdrop of this text is covenantal. It's heavily covenantal. God's covenant promises are for believers and for their children. Using, uh, his using children as an illustration is effective. Very poignant because in principle the kingdom actually belongs to covenant children. His point, look at these little helpless and dependent children that I have brought to me and that I have taken into my arms to bless and intercede for and think of yourselves in the same way. This is you, the Father's little ones in the Father's hand. This is what being part of the kingdom is like. I'm blessing them to show something about my heavenly father and how he blesses you. So come to me, all you who are helpless and incapable, and I will give you grace. This is the gospel. Seen in a little child. How how did these covenant parents hear Jesus? Because we can hear in our context here today, but how did those Jewish covenant parents Parents hear Jesus in this text. They did not hear him and conclude, well, kingdom blessings aren't for my kids. 
That's what they didn't think. No, they were comforted when Christ conferred his kingdom blessings on even their little infants. Isn't our king's heart so tender, kind, and compassionate to every single one of his covenant people? Our church must be completely committed to bringing our children to Jesus so that they receive the king's favor through the king's means of grace. So ask yourself an important question. Do you actually believe that our king's covenant blessings are for our little children? And if so, through what means does our king bestow his blessings upon our covenant children? Please think about that carefully. Wouldn't it be strange for Jesus to confer kingdom blessing on those covenant children then only to withhold kingdom blessing from covenant children in the church today? Wouldn't that be quite odd? Well, it's hard to believe, especially concerning Peter. Peter got it wrong that day. Not his greatest moment. But later on, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached to Jews, the covenant people of God, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I think that Peter learned a valuable lesson that day and made some covenantal connections he was not making before and really corrected, in a sense, his thinking and his poor performance from Matthew 19 when he didn't get it right. Now, before we move to the next point, consider this insight from Calvin. He said this, This narrative is highly useful, for it shows that Christ receives not only those who, moved by holy desire and faith, freely approach to him, but those who are not yet of age to know how much they need his grace. Those little children have not yet any understanding to desire his blessing But when they are presented to him, he gently and kindly receives them and dedicates them to the Father by a solemn act of blessing. End quote. The king actually blessed the wee ones. That's the most comforting way to understand the gospel. Right there. And tiny little infants of the kingdom show us this gospel. Oh, that we would value the contribution that our little covenant kids make to our communion of saints. Next, the church should help parents bring their little children to Jesus. The disciples rebuked the parents and hindered the children from grace. Not helpful. Not helpful. The disciples should have been helping the parents. Hey, can we help you care? Let's bring those little ones to Jesus. See, the disciples should have had Jesus' heart toward both the parents and the children. They should have desired to see Christ, to take those little ones in his hands and to bless them and to intercede for them. Now a word to you Christian parents. This church is committed to helping you, helping you bring your children to Jesus to receive his grace through his means of grace. A deep commitment of this church Perfect, of course not. We're struggling in that. But that is a deep, deep commitment here. A word to you members of Jerusalem Church. Please commit yourself to the parents and covenant children of our congregation and help them bring their children to Jesus. 
We, we are the covenant community of faith, and covenant little ones are part of us, an important part of us, and we have a responsibility to carry them to our Savior to receive his grace and his favor. And what we believe about the gospel and what we believe about our little children will shape how we go about bringing our little children to Jesus. Next, Jesus loves the little children. Verses 14 and 15. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Mark 10, 16 says, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. What's the beautiful centerpiece of these verses? What's the, what's the beauty in these verses? It's not the parents. It's not the parents' commitment to raising their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's not the centerpiece. The centerpiece, this beautiful and significant and massive centerpiece of this little significant event is the king taking the little ones in his arms and blessing them. The king is the centerpiece and is blessing for his covenant little ones. The beautiful centerpiece is the loving heart, compassion, gentleness, interest, and favor of Jesus the Christ for all of his little ones. Calvin rightly said, he declares that he wishes to receive children and at length, taking them in his arms, he not only embraces, but blesses them by the laying on of hands from which we infer that his grace is extended even to those who are of that age. which we infer that his grace is extended even to those who are of that age. What should we conclude from verses 13 through 15 if not that the king's grace is extended even to infants in the church? It would be very strange to read this account in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and to conclude that God's grace is not extended to infants within the covenant community of faith, right? Right? On what basis would we make that argument? Now, a serious moment, all right, because this is life. Um, I want to consider a sobering example of where this kind of covenantal thinking provides deep, deep comfort for Christian parents and the entire church. What comforts our souls and gives us joy and peace when one of our precious little ones dies. They never confess their sin. They never confess Christ. What do shepherds tell Christian parents when their worst fear becomes reality? We draw upon the gracious covenant promises of God and texts like verses 13 through 15 to comfort those grieving parents with the heart of Jesus toward their little covenant children. I have not seen the list of names of the elect in the Lamb's Book of Life. I haven't seen it. But I can give Christian parents Matthew 19, 13 through 15. I have chapter and I have verse 
where Jesus the king says the kingdom belongs to little covenant children and where the king blessed and interceded for those little ones. And that's a comfort to grieving parents whose pain provokes many questions about God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's grace and raises many questions about the status of their children. And what about Christian parents with wayward children? What about parents whose children were baptized when they were little and they grew up in the church under the means of grace and they were taught the law and the gospel and now they've completely abandoned the faith? Is there any comfort God is sovereign, and he will do as he pleases. But we still look to the covenant of grace and the gracious promises of God, for the promises for you and the promises for your children who may be for a time far off. Is the promise any less real? Now, we could argue that little covenant kids are not part of the church, do not have the blessing and intercession of Christ, are not entitled to the means of grace for their comfort, but I don't understand how that is consistent with the covenantal trajectory of all of Scripture, representative of the heart and disposition of Christ the King, shown in Matthew 19, 13, and 15, and how that's helpful, and how that's comforting, And how that gives grace, it is a great comfort for Christian parents and a great comfort for the entire church to hear God's gracious covenant promise, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations from an everlasting, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you, to be God to your children, your your offspring after you, and for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. God doesn't say that all covenant children will be saved. But look at what he does say. We should all hear these verses and rejoice in God's sovereign covenant promises and rejoice in God's unmerited grace. Now, I'm making the case that as the body of Christ, as the covenant people of God who trust in the gospel of the crucified and risen Lord, we can be confident and we can be comforted that Jesus loves the little covenant children. Lastly, Jesus loves the little children, so how do we bring little children to Jesus? Several quick applications. Number one, and please take these to heart from God's word to yours, from your pastor to you. Sacrifice much in order to bring your children into the presence of God every Sunday in corporate worship where God's means of grace abundantly bless all his covenant people. It is our responsibility that our little ones receive God's grace here amidst God's covenant people. Number two, I've talked about means of grace. God's means of grace are the preaching of the word, the sacraments, and prayer. 
and a, an application that naturally springs from this text is covenant infant baptism. Verses 13 through 15 do not talk about baptism, but they do present important presuppositions for covenant infant baptism. Present your little covenant children to Jesus by having them baptized. Now, much more should be said about this and about connecting verses 13 through 15 to the topic of covenant infant baptism and how Jesus blesses covenant children through baptism. I can't answer that now. I'm out of time. And so I plan to send out some material through email from my research this week that I couldn't include here, but things I wanted to say, connections I wanted to help you make. But, so look for that. But bringing our children to Jesus to receive his blessing of baptism is an important part of identifying our children with Jesus and bringing our children to Jesus. Three, catechize your children and lead them in family worship. Your kids desperately need scripture and they desperately need to know what scripture says They need catechizing, they need teaching, they need explanation at home which works in concert with what they hear preached at church in order to give them a solid foundation. Catechizing prepares them for the Lord's Supper. Another means of grace which they receive when they understand the law and gospel and when they publicly confess Christ. Then they're admitted to the Lord's table. Four, Bring your children to Jesus by teaching them how to pray. Uh, Praying with them and indeed praying for them. Church, all of us, let's ask our king for his mercy, spirit, and, and grace for our covenant children. Let's do that together. Five, church, show our little covenant children what it means to trust the Lord, to walk in repentance and faith, to walk by the Spirit, to delight in God, to forgive others, to serve the church with gratitude. Show them Christ with your life. Sixth, church, befriend our little covenant children. Love on them, encourage them, be around them, be part of their lives, take initiative, write them a note, encourage and help their parents out. Befriend them. Let's give the covenant kids here at this church the idea that They are us and we want them here. And that they're not a bother, but that we really love them. So Matthew 19, 13 through 15 is a very important passage for the life of our church. Consider these verses carefully, will you? Consider them carefully. But because there is much comfort for you in these verses. An infant. A covenant infant shows you the kind of relationship that you have with your heavenly father and how his divine and how his fatherly grace is yours in Christ. Rejoice that you are considered God's little one and rejoice and be comforted that he promises, promises to care for you, body and soul.